Well, today we're starting a new series uh, called The Power of Faith. Today we're going to talk about what is faith. It's on Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, it's called, sometimes called the Hall of Faith chapter, the, the Heroes of the Faith chapter. Um, if, if you want to turn in your Bibles, you can, Hebrews chapter 11, or if you're using a Bible in the pew rack, it's on page 1007, uh, you can turn there. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, talks about great steps of faith that people took all throughout their lives, giving demonstrations from the Old Testament. But there's something unique about faith in our own lives that is sometimes difficult to describe. And I had the thought this week, it, made me, it reminded me of uh, some things I heard some guys describing in basketball. Uh, the great Larry Bird was once asked, how are you able to play so well? And he said, well, I play the game in slow motion in my mind while I'm playing it. Well, even before Larry Bird, there was another guy who changed the game of basketball forever, and his name was Pete Maravich. Anybody ever heard of Pete Maravich? Okay, good job, Pistol Pete. Well, I'm going to read off some of Pete Maravich's accomplishments. He changed the NBA, but what he changed even more than the NBA was college basketball. And I'm going to give you some of his accomplishments. I've got them listed here on this card. This is just, this isn't all of them. You can see I've got quite a few there. And I want you to keep in mind as I read some of these records he set, and all the records I'm going to read still stand today. He set these back in the late 70s. Uh, every one of these records took place at a time when freshmen were not allowed to play on varsity in college. So they only had three years of eligibility. And all these records also took place at a time when there were no three points in NCAA basketball. But all these records still stand. Pete Maravich. He's the number one all-time NCAA D1 men's basketball career scorer with 3,667 points in three years. He, on the list of the most points scored in a single season, he holds the places of first, fourth, and fifth on that list. He is the first, second, and third all-time scoring average in a season. He's the first all-time in career scoring average at 44.2 points a game. And if you don't know much about basketball, that's a lot of points. He has the most games in a single season with at least 50 points. He has the most consecutive games with at least 50 points. The most games in a career with at least 50 points. Most games in a career with at least 40 points. Most field goals in a season, that's at least a, that's a two-pointer or higher, which at this point there weren't three-pointers. The most field goals in a season, 522 that's a lot. Most field goals in a career. Most free throws in a three-year career. And he still holds the record in LSU history in scoring, scoring average, field goals made, field goals attempted, and free throws made. All the time when there's no three points and he could only play for three years. And they asked Pete Maravich one time, he got saved later in life, but they asked him, how are you able to do so much? It's almost like they said, it's just like you have ESP playing the game. And he said, well, it's not quite that much. He said, but somehow, he said, I don't know how to describe it. I just know at all times where everybody is on the court. Without seeing them, I know where they are, my team and the other team. He says, I can't really explain it, and you won't really understand it until you feel it, until you sense it for yourself. And faith is like that in a way. It's like a sixth sense. 
It's hard to explain and really quantify until you experience it and put it to use. Because until you have faith, you're never going to understand what somebody else is experiencing. And that's the thing about faith is you have to put it into practice. You have to use it. Otherwise, it's, you know, not going to do anything for you. In the same sense, I heard a guy this past week describe it like this. Like you're all sitting on these green pews. Having faith to sit on that and have that hold you up. You can stand up all day long and look at that and say, I think it will hold me up. But you don't have faith that it will hold you up until your rear end's on the line. And you've got to put it down. And that's faith. You're not going to know that it's any use to you until you put it on the line. Until you use it and put it into practice. And so that's what we're going to look today in Hebrews chapter 11. But we're going to back up a little bit first. And at the, the last couple verses of uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 38, the author writes, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So he's quoting a passage here in verse 38. He says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. Now the righteous one he's talking about there in verse 38 is the saved one. If you're saved, you will live by faith. Because a life of faith is, is, is uh, the defining characteristic of the life of a believer. You can't be a believer without faith. A believer then, if you look at that, who, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. A believer who pulls back from living a life given over to faith is also pulling themselves back from the pleasure of God. There in verse 38, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So the inverse of that then would also be true. That if we live by faith, God's pleasure is on us. God is happy with us living by faith. That is what he desires for anyone who believes in him, for anyone who follows him, is to live by faith and experience God's pleasure, God's happiness being on them. And once you've experienced that, you want to keep experiencing that. Do everything you can to, to make God happy. And so that verse 38 there is living by faith at every possibility. Now go on down here, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. The author gives this explanation. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the support. It's the confident trust. It's the conviction of things not seen. Now, that word is, is what's so very interesting. That word means a, the conviction, verifiable proof. It's the idea of physical evidence. So he's saying faith there, if you take that in the last half of that verse, is the physical evidence of things you cannot see. Because faith is the evidence and support for our hope in heaven, for what Jesus has done for us. Faith is the proof of what we can't see. And so if we have faith, we don't need to see it to believe it. We don't need to experience it to believe it. We don't need to know how it works in order to believe it. We simply need to have faith. You need to, if you need proof for your hope to have assurance, 
Well, the author says in that verse, faith is your answer. Faith is the proof. But you say, I need tangible proof, rational proof. And I believe it does make rational sense. And I've got, you know, 200 books on my shelf that can explain some things. But what the author is saying is you don't need it. If you say, well, I have to have it before I believe, then that's not belief. That's not faith. That's not faith at all. It's not faith to trust that gravity will hold you down as you walk from this building to your car. That's not faith. Because you've got proof. You, you know it will because you've experienced it over and over and over again. Faith is something that you don't need proof for because you just believe it's going to happen. Belief that's grounded in truth, as we're going to look at. We're going to examine that a little closer. So faith is the conviction of things not seen, the proof of what we cannot see. The proof of what we cannot see. Faith, faith sees what we can't see. Faith sees when we can't see. Because what faith does is faith trusts. Faith trusts. Tony Evans says it this way. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Because faith trusts God. And your level of faith is exactly the level of which you trust God. And so, a lot of times, we won't say it out loud, but we act like God's not telling the truth. We won't say it because how dare, I mean, we could never contemplate a reason to say, well, God's a liar, because, well, he's not. But sometimes we act that way because we don't have faith that God's going to deliver. We don't have faith that God's going to provide. We don't have faith that God's going to do what he says he's going to do, that God promised to do, that God will provide for us, that God will take care of us, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added to you. Sometimes we don't trust God because we don't, we don't act like he's telling the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is trusting that God is in control and that God knows what he's doing. Faith is trusting in God, trusting in God, even if that means I don't understand everything that's happening. That's still faith. I don't have to understand everything that happens. It's not my job to understand everything that happens. And honestly, as his created beings, we don't have the mental capacity to understand everything that God is doing. And we talk about exploding your brain, we just cannot fathom it all. But we don't need to understand. We just need to trust. We need to believe. We need to have faith. I mean, the life of Job, if you've ever read the book of Job, 42 chapters. The man struggles. The man's in pain. Uh, at times, the man, Job, does wrong at times and questions God. And then God shows up and says, well, where were you when I created everything? Who are you to ask those questions? <laughs> but at the end of the book, Job responds in faith to God confronting him. But God never explains to Job why he struggled, why he suffered, why he had pain. As far as we know, Job never found out this side of heaven. But Job had faith. And so for Job, it wasn't that he, I mean, you can see in some of those chapters, he's begging for an explanation. But at the end of the book of Job, God doesn't give him one. And just says, trust me. And so Job does. 
And he experiences a phenomenal blessing. Not that we will always experience that exact same kind of blessing. Uh, some of you may not consider having 10 kids a blessing, but God blessed him in that way. Uh, but God is trustworthy far more than any of us are. And so faith acts as though God is telling the truth. Faith trusts God. Faith trusts God more than we trust ourselves. Faith trusts that God is smarter than us with our money, our money. Faith trusts that God is smarter than us when it comes to relationships. Faith trusts that God is smarter than us when it comes to raising our kids. Faith trusts that God is smarter than us when it comes to to anything in this world that he created. Faith trusts God, period. Faith trusts him. And so we need to faith, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is trusting in the Lord. And look at what the author continues with this line of thinking. He says here in verse 2, For by it, faith, the people of old received their commendation. The people of old. That's the leaders of the faith of the past. That's what the author is going to talk about in the rest of this chapter, is the people of the past who have exercised great faith. That doesn't mean they were perfect by any stretch of the imagination. You can go on this list and you can find all kinds of sin mixed in the lives of all these people, but they still demonstrated faithfulness at times. He says, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. Now this is interesting. Commendation to have someone speak well of you. In this particular case, having God speak well of you. Faith grants God's stamp of approval. Going back to chapter 10, what we saw a minute ago, faith brings God's pleasure. Faith makes God happy. So faith makes or brings God's commendation. And, and so these people that are talked about in the rest of chapter 11, the Lord recognized and was pleased by the faith of the people that he's referring to here. But that implies, begs the question, are there any today with that same kind of faith? Receiving commendation from the Lord, receiving recognition from the Lord, How faithful is your faith? Because faith is only faith when it is done for the Lord's recognition and not for that of other people. Faith is only faith when it's done for the Lord's recognition and not that of other people. Doing an act of faith to be seen by someone as doing it negates the act of faith. Because it's begging someone else to see you do it rather than just God seeing you do it. In Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to go ahead and turn there. Paul writes of this, speaking of slaves to masters, but can refer to all of us employers to employees, the whole shebang. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. It says, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by way of, here it is, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will is to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. So do it not by way of eye service, as people pleasers do. So Paul's telling us that we shouldn't only do faithful actions when other people are watching us to receive their acknowledgement and, and credit from them 
Rather, we're meant to faithfully obey only God, whether or not somebody else is watching, whether or not somebody else gives us the credit for it. And here's the kicker. We're supposed to be faithful to the Lord even if somebody else gets our credit without seizing that credit for ourselves. Say, hold up now, preacher. Mm. You're telling me I do something that humbly I think is the greatest thing ever done and somebody else takes the credit for the thing that I did. I'm just supposed to let it happen? They say, those people are a bunch of liars, man. They don't know what they're talking. I did that thing with my own sacrifice and my own humility. It was all me. Yeah. If somebody else seizes the credit, it's not for you to take it back. But that fights against every pride bone within our nature. Even when we were kids, we want the credit when we take out the trash. We want the credit when we do the dishes. Otherwise, we're not getting an allowance. We're not about to let our sibling take credit for that mess. Liars and cheaters. That we get raised with, I mean, not that we get raised with that, but it's baked into us in our sin nature. It's a part of who we are as human beings. That if we do something and somebody else takes the credit for it or wants the credit for it, it rubs us the wrong way. Say, uh-uh, no. That's why in those movies, we're glad when the guy who's, who steals the credit from somebody else gets his comeuppance. But what the author of Hebrews is saying, what Paul said, was, was saying in Ephesians chapter 6, is it's not about you getting credit from other people. It's about the Lord recognizing that it was you who did it, whether or not other people see it or not. That's what he says there in verse 2. The people of old received their commendation from the Lord from the Lord. You know what Moses got from people over and over and over again? Complaints. Hatred. People despised him. They revered him later, but when he was alive, they hated his guts a lot. Even his brother and sister who watched God do amazing things, the, the plagues, parting the Red Sea, they were standing next to him as God was doing these incredible things. But even them, they wanted some of the credit, too. And we were there, too. I was, I, I mean, Aaron was speak, speaking for him. I was in the room, Moses, and I got no credit. Moses, I saw you writing down, you know, Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. I'm not in it in there. You're in there talking. And God said, you guys just need to stop because you're missing the point if you're trying to get credit for it. You're missing the point. If you're trying to get credit for it, just to mark up your resume or build your eulogy, you're missing the point. Because it's supposed to be about God and not about you. And so we're supposed to be faithful to the Lord, even if somebody else gets our credit, without seizing it back from them. Because as soon as we start worrying about receiving credit from other people, we stop being faithful and start being prideful. And if you're pride-filled, you cannot be faith-filled. You can only be filled with one at a time. If you're faith-filled, you can't be pride-filled because humility comes with faith. Because faith acknowledges, I can't do it on my own. I need God to do it. But if you're pride-filled, then you're not faith-filled. You say, man, I can do it all on my own. I don't need God to accomplish this thing. I don't need God to go here and do this. I can do it. 
Jesus speaks to the same deal, uh, talking about the faithful act of giving generously in Matthew chapter 6. He says we're supposed to act faithfully in secret so as not to seek credit. And then Jesus said in Matthew 6, 4, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's the same idea here. Receiving God's commendation, God's pleasure, rather than that of other people. Jesus said in in that same section of scripture in Matthew chapter 6, if you do it to be seen by men and they recognize it and they see it and they applaud you for it, then that's all the credit you're going to get. Then the commendation from the Lord, the pleasure from the Lord isn't going to be there because you already got it from people. So who would you rather get credit from? God or people? People are fickle. They change their mind all the time about you, about other people. Toss you under the bus at the first sign of weakness. But the Lord never forgets, ever. That's how the Lord can speak to a man like David who was an adulterer and a murderer. See the repentance and faith in his heart and call him a man after God's own heart. God can look at our hearts and see within us whether or not other people see it. That's not the issue. But God can see it. And we're supposed to be serving him alone. Only, ever, always serving the Lord. Faith is only faith when it's done for the Lord's recognition and not that of other people. So we gotta, at times, purge our spirit of that prideful desire to have other people recognize us and see us. I've had it. It's something we all got to fight all the time because we want the credit. We worked hard. We did the thing. We want the credit for the thing. But it's not about us getting credit for the thing. It's about us doing it for the Lord. And that's the way it should be. And so Paul, sent, or, uh, Paul in Ephesians 6, and the author of Hebrews here in he, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2, it's about the commendation from the Lord. And then he gives this in verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So the invisible God created everything out of nothing. We cannot see God, but everything we can see, the God we can't see made. Everything that he, uh, everything we can see, he has done. He put it into place. We can't see God, but we can see what he's done. We can see his impact. We can see his effects. As it's been said, I can't see the wind, but I can see the effects of the wind. I can't physically see the Lord, but I can see the effects of the Lord. I can see his hand. I can see his movement. I can see his power. And this entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 11 speaks to the great faith of uh, faithful followers of the Lord of the past. And it starts, uh, verse 1, with a definition of exactly what faith is. But notice there, Tony, put that back up, verse 3. In the rest of the chapters, say by, by, you can just look down. By faith, Abel did this. By faith, Enoch did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham did this. But what is the first by faith statement in verse 3? By faith who? We. That's us. The first demonstration of great faith that's spoken of is of us the readers of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. We understand, we observe, we know that God did this. Faith is our sight, 
And that leads to confident knowledge and, as he says in the verse, understanding. Faith is our sight, and that leads us down that path. Faith removes the limitations of our understanding and the constraints of our ability to observe and know. You know, sometimes we struggle with wanting to know more, see more, understand more. Even if it's gossip, even if it's just about a situation we have no business understanding or knowing anything about. So we will do some Facebook detective work, try to find out everything we can about that situation just to feel better about ourselves. You won't believe what I just read. I, I went down this, click on this person, this person. I went down in the comments and I found this one, the comment to this person's comment to this person's comment. And I discovered something and this and that and the other thing. I know none of you have ever done that. Other people do that. Uh, <laughs> I've never done that. Heaven forbid. Uh, <laughs> I'm the chief offender. Um, by faith we understand. So faith, faith leads to observation, leads to knowledge more so than our own personal detective work, our own limitations of our mind and our understanding and what we know. Faith can, can remove those limitations and show us far more than we ever thought was possible. Faith expands our understanding of what is possible. Faith expands our understanding of what is possible, as he demonstrates there in Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Faith expands our understanding of what is possible. You know, I've seen what a faith in the Lord can do. I've seen it. I've seen it. Let me give you some illustrations. When I was choosing to go to a college, I didn't want to go to the college God wanted me to go to, and I argued with him, and I knew where he wanted me to go, and I didn't want to go there because they didn't have basketball. I've told that story before. They got rid of basketball program the year before I went, and they got basketball, the basketball program back the year after I left. <sighs> As though God were trying to make a point. But it was also a college that I, we could not afford for me to go to. But when I finally acknowledged and obeyed the Lord, you know what showed up in our mailbox? A check from my college. Faith did that. I've seen faith take a couple, newly married, but the wife had had an issue when she was a baby that made it impossible for them to have children. So that when they got married, the doctor kept telling them, You're, you can't have kids. It's, it's physically impossible. We can try all these other things. But it's just, I'm just warning you, it's not going to happen because of what happened back then. It's physically, you're, you're unable. Now they have two kids. I've seen God, we've had him here on this stage twice. Take a man who was physically, medically dead for 90 minutes. He had body parts in the back seat of his car because his car was completely run over. I mean, Head-on collision, but not a collision. An 18-wheeler rolled over his car, and he was dead for 90 minutes. By faith, he came back, and he stood on. He stand. He stood on this. Any, any of y'all here to hear Don Piper? He's been here twice. We saw him. By faith, we, we've had another woman stand on this stage, who was shot in the head, but now has 
still has full comprehension, full cognitive ability, able to move all of her limbs. By faith, God did that. By faith, there was a time when I was on a youth staff as an associate minister, and we went on a retreat, and this girl, God got a hold of her, and she was a cutter extensively, scars all up and down her arms. And she gave herself up to the Lord and turned in all of her cutting devices, and she had a lot. The next morning, we all woke up and drove back to the church, and she comes running in wearing short sleeves. It's January. All the scars were gone. By faith, Katie's sister had cancer, and God brought great healing, but then she had a couple of scans just a couple years ago. They found a spot on her brain. Second scan showed the spot was bigger. So she was going to go down to MD, down in Houston, to get another scan. And by faith, they're praying. By faith, they're, they're asking God for deliverance, asking God for healing. And we were praying and begging. And this man, who's a member of their church, a lawyer, big-time job, very important job, the Lord spoke to him and said, you need to go down there and pray with him. But God, I got this whole line. I got this docket. I got all this stuff. I got to do. And God said, no, you need to fly down there. Just do whatever you can. I mean, you know, plane tickets are not cheap. And when you buy it last second, it's very much not cheap. But God said, you get on that plane and you fly down there today. And you pray with them before they go back for that scan. So he hopped on a plane, flew down there, showed up. They're shocked and amazed. You know, here's this guy, did all this for us. And he said, I didn't do it for you. I did it because God told me to come down here and do this. I don't have any imaginations. I was not going to do this, but God said do it. And he walks in the room and he prays. He prays that when she goes back for the scan, there wouldn't be anything. She goes back for the scan. They get the report back. And the spot wasn't stable, but the spot didn't grow. The spot didn't shrink because the spot wasn't there. By faith, God brought incredible healing in a moment through the active faith of that guy jumping on that plane, going down there and praying. I've seen faith do incredible things. Not because the people were amazing, but because God is. The people were just willing to be used by God, willing to be accessible to having God work in them and through them. Faith expands our understanding of what is possible. Faith Allows a man to walk on water. Faith brings people back from the dead. Faith brings healing in phenomenal ways. Faith can put lives back together and marriages back together and, and bring relief from addiction. Faith can do far more than you ever thought possible because of God. Do your actions of faith demonstrate an incredible trust in the Lord. When you do faith and act out faith, do you seek the Lord's recognition only or that of other people? Does your faith that you have in your own life expand your understanding of what is possible? Do you have faith at all? At all? If you don't, then today you need to start by believing that Jesus is God's son, that he died so all your sins would be forgiven, and he rose from the dead so you can live after you died. And you can have that faith and begin that faith journey today by just believing 
in Jesus. But then you have faith. Do you need greater faith? Does your faith need to grow? Kind of like the, the father who came to Jesus and, say, I, and said, I have faith, help me in my lack of faith. I have belief, help me in my unbelief. Do you need greater faith? Does your faith need to grow? To grow greater than it is now? Well, the thing about faith is faith is like a muscle. Faith is a spiritual muscle. And like any other muscle, it grows through use and atrophies through lack of use. Are you using your faith today? Using it as God would have you use it. In big leaps, in big bounds, in, in, in whatever capacity God would have you use it, removing the constraints you've placed around your faith and say, well, I can't do that and I can't say that because of my job, or I can't do that and I can't say that because of these people's expectations of me, or I can't do that and I can't spend that and I can't go there because it will, it will uh, be too much uh, of an issue with my schedule and my plan for my life. Do you trust yourself? Or do you trust God? Where is your faith today? Where is it? If you were to put it on a gauge, is there too big of a thing for God to ask you to do? And if God came to you and said, this is what I'm asking you to do in faith, and you say, whoa, God, that, that, that's, too, that's obviously not God because that's too big of a thing. God, I mean, I, I can never do that or go there or say that or try to get that job that's that, that, that's too big god as though we don't see the irony in that statement that's too big god no god is bigger than anything that he would ask you to do just remember everything that we're going to look in this series that god has done through these people these are all people just like us People who are flawed, people who struggle, people who are confused, people who are just beginning their faith journey at times. And yet they're immortalized by demonstrators of great, as demonstrators of great faith. What is it that God would have you step out on faith in today? What is it? By faith. By faith. I know she's going to hate me for this. By faith, how many years ago, Lynette, was it? Four that you came in my office and sat on my couch and said, I think God wants us to do something in recovery. Something about RSAT. I said, what? That RSAT? What does that even mean? Metam what do you think of the name Metamorphosis House? I said, I think it's really long and I don't know how to spell it. That's what I think about. <laughs> uh, but by faith... God started something that day to where this past week, I'll tell you what, yeah, 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 this past week, Brittany came in and told me this story, that there was a guy hitchhiking from Tulsa, not knowing where he was going, just knowing he needed to get out of that life, and he gets picked up in McCurtain County by an 18-wheeler. He's telling the guy his story knowing he needs to get help because of where he's coming from and his addiction. And the 18-wheeler and the driver, the trucker, stops at our church and says, I don't know much, but I know this place can help you. Drops him off. When 
by coincidence, some of the people just happen to be standing outside. There's no coincidence with God. And now God has that guy in a place that's going to change him forever. Because, I tell you what, Lynette, this reminded me of all of those letters from Paul when he wrote and said, word of your faith has reached me. Word of your faith, church, has reached a trucker. We don't know who it is. Maybe it's entertaining angels. A trucker driving cross country, picking up a hitchhiker who just happened to be at the right spot for that trucker to happen to be there and just happened to have people standing outside at that exact moment, taking a break. God lined it all up because anybody and everybody needs Jesus. No one is too far gone for Jesus. So by faith, I think you could, I'm not about to suggest you add a chapter to Hebrews, or add verses to Hebrews 11. Maybe in your margins you need to say, by faith, First Baptist to Queen got involved in a program that some people thought was a lost cause. Some people had a problem with. Some people still have a problem with. Well, they have a problem. By faith, this church has made an impact for eternity. Yes. Where is it for you personally that God is asking you to step out and do something? Because I guarantee you, Lynette had no idea what God was going to do with that deal when she, when she stepped in my office. I remember you left and I thought, I have no idea what's about to happen. <laughs> like, uh, you have no idea what God's going to do in you or through you if you just take one step of faith. Maybe it's not even through you. Maybe it's through successive generations, and it's going to be your kids or grandkids. It's going to be somebody you impact because you step out in faith. I've told this story before, but because of some Sunday school teacher who sold shoes for a living by faith, shared the gospel with a guy who got saved and became a massive evangelist, who another guy got saved at one of his crusades, who, who shared the gospel with another guy at one of his crusades, and, and that guy became this massive evangelist. They tried to get him to come speak at this one place. He couldn't come speak, so he uh, sent one of his buddies to go speak, and a little kid got saved at that crusade, and his name was Billy Graham. All because by faith, some shoe salesman listened to God and said, you need to share the gospel with that kid. What is it God would have you do that's going to change the world in 150 years because of your act of faith today in Queen, Arkansas? What act of faith do you need to step out on and listen to the Lord? By faith is how we need to live. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your trustworthiness. I thank you that having faith in you is having sight, having vision, being able to see in the dark because you've lit up our souls. By faith, we've seen people brought back from the dead. By faith, we've seen cancer disappear. By faith, we've seen your provision. By faith, we've seen lives changed here in Sevier County in a way that there were so many doubters. By faith, 
Mountains can be moved. God, I pray that if anyone in this room or watching online right now needs to begin that step of faith, that they would begin, that they would believe in Jesus, his death and resurrection, and find eternity waiting. God, I pray if there's any step of faith that someone needs to make today, they would do it. They wouldn't leave the room until they've done it. They would give that money they've been fighting with you about. They would uh, uh, forgive the person they've been holding on to bitterness. They would They would follow your direction and they would go to the place you have told them to go. Stop the arguing. Stop the straight disobedience. And they would listen to you. They would stop seeking credit and serve you only. Do it for the Lord and not for men. God, I pray we would live by faith. Not live by the cleverness of our minds. Not live by experience. Not live by reason. Not that any of that's bad. But that we would live by faith. And that would define who we are. stepping into heaven, we would hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. God, I thank you for the opportunity to demonstrate faith and to grow our faith through its use. In your name I pray, amen.